Hello, I am Joel McLeod. My name is Ronald Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. Last week, the Halton District School Board saw itself in the center of an international controversy. A student attending Oakville Trafalgar High School posted a picture of a transgender teacher to social media. No doubt by now you've seen the picture in question. However, just in case, we'll refresh your memory. The picture showed the teacher wearing an overly large fake breast prothesis under a tight-fitting sweater, with the clear outline of the prothesis nipples on display. All of this happened while the teacher was working as the school's resident shop teacher. Needless to say, this picture attracted a lot of attention, and not all of it was positive. The board has refused to identify the teacher in question, citing privacy concerns. However, when inquiring about its policy of professional conduct in this situation, the board has delivered a rather confusing response. We reached out to the board for an interview to clear what their policy is on this matter. Our response for them was what they would de- is that they would decline the opportunity, setting personnel reasons, and that they quote, the Halton District School Board is committed to establishing and maintaining a safe, caring, inclusive, equitable, and welcoming learning and working environment for all students and staff. We strive to promote and support a positive learning environment in schools consistent with our values and to ensure a safe and inclusive environment for all students, staff, and the community, regardless of their race, age, ability, sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, ethnicity, religion, cultural observance, socioeconomic circumstances, or body type or size. The HDSB recognizes the rights of students, staff, parents, and guardians, and community members to equitable treatment without discrimination based upon gender identity and gender expression. Gender identity and gender expression are protected grounds under the Ontario Human Rights Code. End quote. Now, while they declined to give us an interview, they did give one to Rebel Media, and this happened on the doorstep of the board building located in Burlington, Ontario. Needless to say, this response was not enough to quell people's interest in the story. And so on Friday afternoon, as school let out, protesters surrounded the exit of Oakville Trafalgar High School to stage a demonstration. Amongst those in attendance were students, some parents, presumably, as well as figures in the Freedom Convoy movement. Now, in the midst of all of this was Karima Saeed. No doubt, if you follow the Freedom Convoy and its like-minded folks, you've probably seen Karima's work online. Karima is a lawyer, activist, and cartoonist whose work has lampooned Toronto Mayor John Tory as well as Premier Doug Ford. What she is probably best known for, though, is her work following and documenting the actions and protests of the Freedom Convoy across the country and the province. In that spirit, she was on the ground in Oakville to document the protests outside Oakville Trafalgar High. We reached out to her to invite her on to share her firsthand experience with us and her insight into how this human resources issue has gone on to attract the far right to the 905. Okay, well, uh, let's thank uh, Karima uh, Syed for uh, coming on to the 905er podcast uh, today to talk about what happened on uh, on Friday just past. Uh, Karima, thank you very much for for joining Roland and myself this morning. Thank you for having me. Let's uh, let's just dive right into it. Uh, can you just tell us you were at the protest uh, at o- at Oakville Trafalgar High uh, on Friday afternoon? Just lay lay the scene for us. Can you tell us what what it was like, what you saw uh, outside the school that day. Yeah, um, so I pulled up um, on my scooter at around 2.20 
give or take. Um, and there were people gathered outside um, on the sidewalk in front of the school. Uh, which is on a fairly, I, I assume it's regularly a quiet residential street. Um, and I recognized some of the individuals in attendance from other protests and rallies that I have covered uh, over the past two years. Um, these are sort of individuals who are connected in some degree to the freedom movement. Um, when school actually let out, uh, the crowd grew in size uh, because students uh, also kind of joined the fray. Um, there was, you know, a, a, a speaker and a microphone, um, like a portable speaker that was being used for speeches of sorts. Um, there was one person uh, who actually got chased away by the protesters uh, who had a pretty disgusting sign um, with slurs on it and, you know, it, it was, they didn't want to be associated with that. Um, but even the messaging and signage that they, that the actual group had, um, you know, questionable as well. Uh, and uh, I would say that there were people who didn't necessarily come because of the Freedom Gang, uh, but were either parents or residents um, and, you know, also present at the protest. So it was not a monolithic group, but the majority of people um, were these freedom protesters and students. Why, why do you think they were attracted to come to this? I mean, let's be honest, like the, the freedom vaccination cause, uh, if you will, really like this is a, this is a different topic or a different subject altogether than what they're what they usually come out for so why, why do you think they were attracted to this issue to mobilize in this manner it's kind of funny because if your ethos is absolute freedom and individualism then True. you would think that they would be on the other side of this issue right um but it's been my observation that mixed in with discussions about vaccines and mandates, et cetera. Um, you know, there are other undercurrents that reflect, I would say, right-wing talking points, uh, including on critical race theory, gender identity, um, things of that nature. So what they might describe as woke culture. Um, so I'm not altogether surprised, um, you know, I, I've, seen and heard this type of discourse at freedom rallies. Um, it, it meshes with what they put out there. Um, and I suspect that with uh, actual mandate rules and restrictions really being rolled back to the point of uh, being almost non-existent, um, the core group of protesters are now finding other issues to stand in solidarity with. Um, and, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the first of many issues that are unrelated to quote unquote freedom, but attract their attention nonetheless. It's almost as if it wasn't even about the vaccines to begin with. <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> um, you can say that for sure. 
Um, but also it's, a, if I'm to draw an analogy, right, like where people are, are attracted to an ideology or a movement um, and, and it's an ever expanding scope. Um, so it's, it's hypocritical for the reason I point out that, you know, why are you not standing behind this person's freedom? Although, you know, I, there is an issue here to be mm -hmm. protested, uh, you know, debatably at least. Um, but yeah, it, it, this, the, the momentum, you know, to gather in groups and yell and be angry, I don't see that dissipating anytime soon. It seems like, um, it seems to me that the, the, the these, you know, I have to make an admission here that when the, when this story first kind of was brought to my attention, sort of through Twitter posts or whatever, you know, I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be good," <laughs> and and I kind of immediately, uh, almost deliberately, kind of tried to tune out. It's like I don't want to know what's going to happen here, and it's like almost hoping that we wouldn't end up covering it on this podcast, and here we are, because I feel like. The people who are protesting this, ultimately, they want things to protest, right? Um, that it's not really the issue is less important than, than the the ability to kind of scream and shout and um, be hysterical about something, uh, fundraise possibly, attract members, attract people to whatever media channel you might be representing. I mean, to what extent is this? It, do you think this is kind of manufactured outrage, um, at least on the part of some people involved in it? That's probably an element of it, right? This is a salacious kind of story and topic, one that people can dig their teeth into, mm. and one that um, is exemplary of the issues that and grievances that this group purports to have with the government, right? It's um, a really extreme situation. And I think that the response from the school has given fuel to this group who, you know, there's a religious element as well, right? If I can just sort of sidestep for a second. Um, and, and that's not to say that everyone who participates in the freedom movement aligns with a particular religion, but there is a very strong um, faction of, of people who are devoutly Christian in particular. And this type of scenario, uh, I, I, my observation is that it's, you know, a sign that the end is nigh, up is down, down is up, and this is a good reason to be out on the streets protesting because the world has gone mad. Um, and, and so, you know, is that manufactured outrage? Not necessarily. I, I don't think that it's entirely, um, you know, misplaced or baseless, but what I am seeing is uh, a lot of piggybacking on this issue um, and then kind of making leaps and bounds, um, assumptions that are not founded uh, in any reality that I'm aware of, um, you know, against this teacher specifically, against trans people more generally. Um, 
and and the coverage of it um it sort of it's feeding off of people's reaction to the story and i like you um you know this is not really my wheelhouse or domain so it's not the type of story that i would typically cover but because the freedom movement got involved um you know continuity and i just wanted to see what they were up to um but the the way that people are reacting, you know, with various degrees of thoughtfulness and reasonableness. Um, but overwhelmingly, I, I think it's part of a culture war, right? And and so they consider themselves frontline soldiers on this culture war. And I mean, I, should, I guess we should say to listeners, you know, we're almost deliberately not addressing the, the uh, teacher concerned. Uh, I don't feel that there's, a, well, we don't feel there's anything particular that we, the, we're going to add to that discussion that's of value that the one just make the whole situation worse and it, it's more about we're kind of interested i i guess in the um yeah in, in in how people are using and abusing this kind of culture war thing or or, or de- deliberately seeking to 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 pour fuel onto the so-called uh culture war i, I mean you might say you know what we have here is is one teacher in one school um it's not that teacher that that's making this into the, some kind of national uh uh issue i guess um i mean do, you you've you've kind of really <laughs> had the courage to really throw yourself into this whole thing and kind of you, you were an otter during the 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 freedom convoy protests uh you've been kind of front and center sort of viewing this thing um do you do you feel that that what you know what these people are kind of protesting in all its different forms is actually representative of of a genuine feeling in society that that you know like you say the end is nigh or is this more you know a a section of society that 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 feels that it's been sidelined over the last however many decades kind of you exploiting all, all, all the disruption of covid and to, to kind of bring themselves back to the to the center of of political discussion i think that there are real and genuine grievances mixed in with the people who are participating in this movement um but i think it's driven by something a lot more nefarious and you know i have previously described it as right-wing populism. Uh, I think that that's a fair way to characterize what I'm seeing. Uh, and it's, it's. I, I don't know. I'm still working through trying to understand what is going on. So I'm, I'm there and present um, and can offer insight to the best of my ability, but I also am am baffled and confused. Um, And, you know, I think about sort of the arguments that we need to listen and have compassion and sort of tolerate. And and those are all values that I hold dear. Um, But at the same time, I am very aware that this group right, however broadly construed, gets a lot more leeway than other groups with also legitimate grievances right. and, and that are more clearly articulated, right? Um, so there's 
discrepancies there. And, and overall, I, I see this as ushering in um, sort of a form of authoritarianism. Um, and who is at the helm? I, I don't know that it's that simple. Uh, I don't think that there are easy answers to point to kind of this is the puppet master. Um, I think that there's a lot of actors on the scene. Um, you know, some are after notoriety and clout, some are after fame, some are after money, power, um, genuinely thinking that this is uh, a service because they are witnessing what they consider to be moral decline. Um, it, it, it's, it's very messy. Um, and, and this type of situation, I think, serves to muddy the waters because um, people kind of sitting really on the outside and, and watching, um, there's a, a huge opportunity here to sway public opinion. Um, and, and I think that that's something they're trying to capitalize on. I, I don't I want to touch upon a number of those points that you, that you just made. Um... I mean, I've I got my mind's going like a million miles an hour on this on this topic. It's just there's so many angles. Um, I kind of I, I do I I agree. I don't I don't see like a, a single person leading, but I do want to kind of talk about how the board has handled this so far, um, because I you know I'm doing kind of rudimentary research on this. There in certain Facebook groups, like like neighborhood Facebook groups here in the region. That I'm members of. There are people who identify said, I've seen this individual out in public dressed this way. So I'm inclined to believe this wasn't a one-off or a prank or a hoax or or I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna to choose to say this person does identify as female and this is how they want to appear. And that their their intentions are sincere, whatever they may be. Um that being said, I, I do find that. I, I'm confused about what the anger is actually about because I can only I can only prescribe it to be just pure transphobia or trans, trans, transphobia against uh, this individual because I was thinking if this is a cisgendered woman who opted to dress this way, would the anger be there? Would would like would would people be driving out of their way to go to Oakville Trafalgar High School? In Oakville, of all places, and say I'm going to wait outside to the end of the school day, and I'm going to go and you know make really gratuitous and explicit uh, uh, signs to post outside the high school. And I was someone. I, I that's what comes out of my head is this, if this was a cisgendered woman who said I want to dress this way, would the anger be there? I think if this was a cis woman she would not have made it from the parking lot inside the building the first day she showed up in okay. the attire, right? Right. Um, because I, I think that sort of separating the transphobia, which is very present, um, and so it would do a disservice to pretend that that's not an element of what's happening, but the reason this situation provides cover is the actual facts of the case, right? Um, what's publicly available, right? And, and there's a lot of unverified information floating around. So I'm, I'm hesitant to, you know, make bold assertions but right. based on the images that we have seen and um, which have not been 
roundly denied by the board or the school. So if we take that to be the case, you know, we have spandex shorts, see-through blouses and protruding nipples. And, and that's all, those are choices, right? Those are choices in professionalism. And school boards at, well, I shouldn't say school boards, but school administrations can and routinely do police women's bodies, um, whether it's natural or chosen uh, attire, like this is par for the course. And, and, you know, part of what concerns me about the handling of this is that there is an element of discrimination because uh, a cis woman, not even an option, this would not be an option. Um, so the outrage then and people driving down to the school, uh, it, to me, there's a direct line that can be drawn from the response and handling of it. Um, you know, is it appropriate to have um, someone in this attire? Is this attire professional? Is it suitable for a, a school? Is it suitable for shop class in particular? Uh, and I think if, you know, if we focus on those questions, then it's not surprising to see that it is, you know, generated this, this level of interest. And it just, it's deeply unfortunate, the voices who are loudest on this subject, um, you know, may have ulterior motives that go beyond um, what on its face is a pretty egregious uh, case of, of not abiding by code of conduct. Uh, and, and you're, humble opinion, uh, and you can have no comment on this. Uh, do you think the Halton District School Board dropped the ball on handling this file properly? I don't know how much the board, like, because they're not responsible to, to my understanding. I'm not an education lawyer uh, or an employment lawyer, but it's, it's my sort of basic understanding that this would be the Ontario College of Teachers, um, and that the school, you know, could make a referral for mm. discipline or intervention. Um, I, I do think that the statement from the school, uh, as far as, you know, unequivocal support, which is how it came across, um, I, I don't think that helped the situation. And I think it misses kind of an important point, which is that there's, you know, also a duty to ensure that there's a learning and work environment that is free from harassment and discrimination. Um, and can we construe this choice of attire as a form of harassment, potentially? Well, the reason why I brought it up is we asked, uh, this is unrelated to yourself, but I, I'm just going <laughs> to keep you in the loop here. Uh, we asked the, the director of education to come on and have this discussion with us because they gave this an interview to Rebel, Rebel Media. Uh, outside, outside the, yeah, it's it, if you oh, feel no. like it, go go check out Rebel Media's uh, Twitter feed, and they've posted all over it. It's all like that's it's like a whole section on their Twitter feed. Uh, David Menzies uh, is outside giving it or asking questions to the director of education, and that's why we reached out to them and said, "Well, can you give? We'll ask, we want your side of the story. We'll give you." And we will certainly be as we were responsible denied. as possible yeah. uh, with with how we handle this. We want it, We want to hear what your Definitely policy is. Definitely look at it, very sensitive 
Yeah. Subject. You got uh, denied and not Rebel News? Yeah. Apparently. apparently. Yeah. 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 They shot, okay. they shot us down. That's they a said choice. That's also a that, choice. I didn't know yeah. about that. That's interesting. That's the reason why I brought it up is yeah. I thought yeah. I was like, and I respond back to them and said, you made a choice. You you gave an interview to Rebel Media and you're denying us an interview. We're, we're just, we just want to know what your policy is and what your plan of action will be going forward. We understand it's a sensitive, but people want to know what are you going to do about this issue? And, of course, and they shot us down. You can't, I mean, they, they, they really cannot talk about individual staff, HR, said, you know, was I mean, that's a HR reasonable issue. position, yeah, but yeah. then I, I said, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about this person yeah, specifically. Yeah, I want to know yeah. what your policy will be going forward and how you're mm. going to prevent situations like this from happening in the future. And they said, no, mm. we're not talking to you. I said, well, I, I'll watch it, but what did they say to Rebel? Like, what was the the thrust of that? It was, it, was, it was what they they said. You know, we we respect all all individuals and and the right to expression and and and, and what. Like it, it they didn't say anything that I was like, oh, that's. But the fact that you're kind of feeding the fire there, because well, let's be honest, we know who watches Rebel Media. I'm sure a lot of the folks that you had you were pleasantly engaged with on on Friday afternoon uh, have, are, are subscribed to uh, Rebel Media. And you know that's the right, that's their choice. But I just, I, I, I have questions about like how, do you, like this is a very sensitive topic, and there's a lot of people who are watching it, um, not just on one side, but also on the other side. You know, those who are who I do identify as transgender in, in the 905 and in Ontario, are looking at this, they're, they're nervous, they're scared, they're like, this is not. We got our own fight to deal with. This isn't helping. And as an institution, they want to know, like, what, what, as the institution, do you have her back or are you going to hang us out to dry? And I'm, I'm thinking that last part is still up in the air with the home district school board. And I'm just, I'm just asking because I want to get your take on it because you, you, that action, I think, fuels the behavior that we saw on Friday. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't kind of take a stance saying, nope, this is what we're doing. This is our policy. This is the, the end of discussion. It, it that that in itself kind of feels oxygen into the fire in my experience or my my take on it. Am I am I wrong? Am I am I wrong in seeing this or? No, I don't think you're wrong, and you're you're in fact it it, it feeds right into the narrative that I think Rebel is um, trying to push, which is you know social justice run amok, and you know we can't. We should roll all of it back because this is the logical end result and we don't want that. So let's do away with everything. I think that that's the angle that they are taking and speaking to them, you know, even if you're just repeating your statement, I don't, I don't see how, but whatever, I'm not their media relations person um yeah it's a you can have sensitive topics but you know still handle them in a way that is tethered to values and the law and i think that's the way to navigate any tricky situation uh, it's not always easy or popular the the outcome but it it, it ought to be justifiable, especially since parents and students, um, you know, who are actually directly impacted by this, they also are entitled to at least 
be kept in the loop um, and, and have not necessarily input as to the outcome, but they are directly affected. So we, you know, they, they're owed a reasonable response. Do you think, I mean, there's, I mean, to an extent, my limited knowledge of, of education on Ontario or, or anywhere in the world is it, it tends to be a political football everywhere. I mean, it's always high, um, uh, it's always a high uh, kind of subject with a high, you know, how we discipline children, how we uh, police what children are allowed to wear. Not police, I would say police, but you know, no, police sounds a good word. What, what, what are the what are the boundaries of appropriate dress um, uh, that we accept today? Um, you know, what, what are what's appropriate dress in in a workplace for any professional? Uh, and you know, yeah, I mean, it seems to me with with what I know is there's a legitimate discussion to be said about professional attire for anybody, regardless of gender, regardless of anything, safe attire in, in a, in a, in a uh, shop based environment with power tools and um, legitimate discussion to be had there. Um, but, and I guess I do, I mean, <laughs> again, the, 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 the involvement of the kind of extreme side of this, muddies the water of, of 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 that kind of valid discussion of you know um you know the teachers i know will, will, who will say you know what you know there, there are children who wear things which are completely inappropriate these days now, inappropriate just inappropriate for anybody like we should expect professional attire from everybody when they're in a working environment and the school's ultimately a working environment. Um, do you think, again, is there this kind of tiny grain of validity? I really don't want to give it any, even that much credit, but is there a tiny grain of validity in this whole thing that, that the education system does kind of need to get, well, get to grips with these issues better and rather than, than pretending they don't exist? Perhaps that's the best I can kind of word it. Our standards of what is professional are constantly changing and evolving, right? Like in the military, they're now allowed to wear their hair down um, or have it colored or have tattoos for police officers, right? So what was unthinkable a couple of decades ago, attitudes can shift. Um, and, and I think that that's not a bad thing. Um, what we have here in a school environment in particular, um, because, you know, there is a duty to students. Um, and, and I think that should be the, the real guiding principle in all of this. Um, and the, the yeah, the, the question of professionalism, and even if we're, okay, we think about the dress code that applies to students at Halton, um, and it specifies, you know, nipples and genitalia should not be visible or exposed. Um, so right there, blatantly black and white, um, you know, you can say that that only applies to students, but it's not really logical to think that it wouldn't affect teachers, um, especially given sort of the power dynamic that exists, right? And teachers are held to such 
strict standards in the way that they relate to kids and what's appropriate to joke about and what's not. And can you give them a ride in your car? Can you, you know, like th there are a lot of boundaries that exist and are rigidly enforced precisely to protect students. Um, so what I think, you know, is happening here, it's not that well, we have no rules and we just don't know, like, you know, we don't know, this is a not, it's not. There are rules and it's a question of enforcement and sort of the reluctance to enforce what seems as an outsider quite obvious, that's what's like raising questions and, and concerns. Um, and, and is it fear of a lawsuit? Is it fear of making, you know, a situation worse? I, there are a lot of reasons why the answer is what it is, um, but I don't think that's justification I mean, to abdicate responsibility to students and to other teachers. Um, so we, we go back to the facts, right? Where it's skin tight, um, you know, very revealing and artificial in large nipples that are protruding through the clothes. That's not okay. And, you know, is this a situation where in 10 years, I, I'm gonna listen back to this and I sound like a prude? Maybe, but I don't think so. Because to me, what we are seeing, you know, it's not a prosthetic that is replacing a natural body part, right? If this was a medical, sort of prosthetic or because that that those come in all variety of shapes and sizes, big, small, you know, and, and I, I think that that would be sort of a reasonable standard. This looks a lot like fetish gear. And are we okay with that being in the classroom? I don't have kids, but personally, that makes me uh, uncomfortable for the sake of the students. So that that's how I see this situation. Yeah, and it seems like I mean, you know there there are there are places in our world where it's okay to push boundaries. Should there be appropriate places to ask questions about dress and attire? And, and like you, I mean, you made the excellent point that you know what we consider acceptable today is completely different from what we thought was acceptable a hundred years ago. And now we'll laugh about people going swimming in the nineteen hundreds and having to wear you know heavy cloth dresses and you know and it seems bizarre to us now but at the time that was um that was just the way it was um but the fact remains that we schools are not the place to have that discussion uh the schools need to lag society rather than be on the cutting edge i guess um because uh, it's i mean i mean ultimately that the, the, the part of the story that that is I think we probably all agree is just the worst part of it is just the children who are caught up with it. Any any children, uh, um, any children HS, H, uh, HDSB, to be honest, who are questioning their gender identity or who are um, uh, uh, who identify as transgender or gay or uh, uh, you know, it just brings pressure onto them that they don't need. Uh, at that time in their life and, and I think that's the most regrettable sort of side of this whole thing uh, altogether um, yeah I mean I, 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 as so often happens 
happens, I've made a statement rather than asking a question. But <laughs> I don't know no, if, if you I have could, any thoughts could, about that. Yeah, build on that statement, though. <laughs> you know, there's ample opportunity outside workout hours to explore oneself. Um, mm. You know, and if it's in fact the case that people have seen this teacher in non-school settings um, dressed in this way, I, I don't really see a problem with that. But I do see a problem where it's a work environment and a learning environment. And, you know, there are fairly clear lines that can and should be drawn in the sand. And the inability to do that only harms the groups that are supposedly we're trying to protect. It's, it's almost like, again, I'm coming back to the HDSB here. And that they, they, I feel like they kind of dropped the ball in terms of turning this ironically into a learning moment is that, you know, there, there are, you, you, if, if we're talking about true equality, right. If you're a, if you're a identified trans student uh, or, or teacher staff at, in one of their buildings, there's something about saying like you, you are you're treated equally, truly equally to everyone else here in the building, which means that we we have the same, we put the exact same expectations of, pro, of professional conduct on you as we do everyone else. And I mean, I I I'll, I'll look at the at the the images that were that were taken. I, I do question just from a this is from a purely practical standpoint. I do question like how how did this teacher work in a shop classroom? wearing high heels and, 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 and this, and this get up. Cause I, I, at some point as it gets this, just from a, a purely logistical WSIB point of view, it's like, like we, like, this is a safety hazard. Like you're trying to teach kids in a shop class. This is how you conduct yourself safely around this potentially dangerous equipment. Dress the part, which might mean, yeah, like work overalls, then, you know, some like, protective clothing at all times which my yeah. understanding is 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 the rule uh, and yeah uh, the, well, that's the, the thing like, it, the, it, the children with long hair in shop class have yes. to their hair up um and you know teachers will will wear themselves out reminding children of that fact it's like no you have to put your hair up it's dangerous you, you know yes so yeah and there are these elements there of, which again kind of gave potentially gave the, the school board kind of an out on this. I mean, not not to, to throw a, an individual staff member under the bus at all, um, but to, to say, yeah, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an issue here that needs to be looked at and we will look at it. And that's kind of all they needed to say. And rather than that, they gave the impression they weren't going to look at anything. Right. Nothing, nothing wrong happened here. It's like, yeah. there, I think the majority of people do say something wrong did happen. Like that, that is a, it's unprofessional for students and for other staff in the building. But there's also this side of your teacher in a shop class. There's a safety conduct that has to go on as well. You know, how, how are you conducting yourself as the teacher in this environment to ensure that students are learning proper safety in a shop classroom. Like it's, it's, and I, 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 I mean, like that, that's to, you know, part of the pun, but that's not like really a sexy issue to go and like, I want to drum up, uh, you know, protests about it. Like nobody's going to protest. Hey, there's no safety shoes being worn in that, in that shop class. Right. Um, I just, I, I find that, you know, this. In you hit on a double standard, right? That's what this is. Right. It's a double standard vis-a-vis um, -vis 
cis women and, uh, you know, faculty, students, right? Um, even like it, it, it is a double standard, evidently. And, and there were ways to tackle this that didn't turn it into a discussion about affirming gender identity because that is secondary um, and, and not an unimportant issue, but it, it does not supersede it does not supersede the the base requirements of safety and safety should be understood broadly um, to include freedom for everyone to have a, a harassment and discrimination free experience in a school i'm seeing that we're coming up on our on our time here so i'm going to say uh thank you uh Karima, for coming on to the podcast because i think we had a more nuanced discussion about this topic than i've seen in the media in the last week uh so thank you very much for taking the time to come on um and i will say uh, thank you for, uh on the sidebar thank you, thank you for doing the work about following the the freedom protests around around the the province do be safe out there um because uh, you're doing you're doing good work. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca we'd love to hear from you you can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through patreon as well as paypal visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab as well links are in the show notes for your convenience lastly you can find us on social media search for the underscore 905er on facebook twitter instagram and linkedin so long for now see you next time the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app.